Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, and whether you're local or long distance, we're so grateful that you've found a home with us here and that you're a part of our community. Just a few reminders before we get into today's teaching. We are in the holiday season, so there's a couple dates we wanted to remind you of as we wade into these next few weeks and this next month. First of all, our Christmas Eve gatherings are on Christmas Eve. It is a Sunday, so we've decided to do an 11 a.m. and an 11 p.m. gathering this year. Nursery will be available at the 11 a.m. gathering, but otherwise, your kids are welcome to join us in the gathering. We will be lighting some candles, so they are welcome to join us under your supervision. We hope that you and your families are able to join us, but if you're a long-distance community member or you're traveling for the holidays, we will make sure that the podcast is available that day as well of the full gathering. Then the week after Christmas Eve, which would be New Year's Eve, that is also a Sunday, and we will be taking that Sunday off. This is in line with our mantra, Fields Not Factories, in which we know that life comes in seasons, and we wanted to give our staff, our volunteers, and all of you the opportunity to take some rest, to spend some time with, or recover from a lot of time with loved ones. So we will not be meeting in person at Studebaker 112 on December 31st, and there will not be a podcast episode that week. Finally, over the last week, we've talked about our Christmas offering. This past Tuesday, we had a special podcast episode where we took a deep dive with the leaders of the organizations that will benefit from our Christmas offering this year. So make sure to go check that out. And the Christmas offering is going to be open until January 6th. So if you want to be a part of that, you have until then. If you want to give to the Christmas offering or the Tribune Project or our general fund, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. So if you want to give in that way, you can go to the link in the show notes below and just make sure that you select the appropriate fund that you want to give to. Whether you give of finances or your time or just your general energy to our community, we are so grateful for the ways in which you all give. All right, so it's week one of Advent, and we've actually got a series that we're going to be going through over the next four weeks. We're just asking the question, what are you waiting for? And this weekend, Jason gave us helpful framework to help guide us over the next few weeks and talked a little bit more about one aspect of our Christmas offering. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump in with the rest of our community now. Good morning. Uh, By the way, I'm Jason. And if we haven't met, I'd love to find you after a gathering or sometime soon as well. I'm our lead pastor here. And as you've already heard, today begins Advent. Uh, I'm curious, um, raise your hand if you have a kind of deep memory or past experience with churches doing Advent. That's some of us. And then I gather that means there's others of us who don't, right? Uh, That's great. We're going to kind of build a bridge for all of us into the season and talk about what it means and what it might do for us and what it might call out of us as we make our way toward Christmas. But to make the case that how we keep time matters, let me take you back to an experience Uh, A story I've shared before a few years ago, but you might not have been here for it. A few years ago, I found myself having a mountaintop experience in a certain lane of things that I really love. Now, the lane of things I'm talking about that I really love is like food and chef culture. Like, Like the snottier, the better. I'm talking like super pretentious food culture. I love this stuff. I like the energy of it. I like the passion of it. I like the creativity of it. I like the collision of art, meeting your friends around a table where the canvas or the tapestry is actually the things that you consume with one another. I love this stuff. Things like Food Network and Chef's Table just give it to me all day long. So uh, a few years ago, some friends and I, we all made this big plan to climb one of the mountaintops of culinary life in our world. Uh, There's a restaurant in Chicago called Alinea. 
This is a Michelin three-star restaurant. And I don't know if you know a lot about that kind of thing, but this is like a, as fancy pants and sophisticated as it gets for a food experience. Now, those of you who know about Michelin three-star restaurants, maybe you're thinking, does our church pay Jason enough to be able to afford a Michelin three-star restaurant? No, that's not the case. I saved for a long time for this, but that was part of the anticipation. So we set our dates on the calendar to do this thing. Uh, you have to buy your tickets for a dinner at Alinea a month out. They release them like on a rolling basis, and so we buy the tickets. We book our hotel rooms in Chicago. Uh, when we're going to the meal, uh, Alinea has been featured on the Netflix show Chef's Table. If you've seen that, there's a whole episode about Chef Grant Acats and this restaurant. And there's this remix of Vivaldi's Four Seasons that intros every episode. We found it on our phones and we made our Uber driver play it in the car speaker on our way to the restaurant. This is how excited we were when we got there, right? Uh, and, and it was absolutely extraordinary. It's like 14 courses some of the most exquisite like food and drink work that you've ever seen. They take you into the kitchen for one of the rounds, at your table one of the rounds, one of the, one of the courses they bring out. They bring a pillow and they put the pillow in front of each seat. The pillow has been inflated with air infused with lavender and they've poked holes whose sizes are precision designed to allow just enough air out so that the plate that they put on top of the pillow slowly squeezes lavender air out as you eat it. One of the dessert courses is an inflated balloon that you can eat. So they bring out these inflated balloons and you kind of kiss the balloon and the helium inhales into your mouth while you're eating this dessert. Another dessert course, they turn your table into a Jackson Pollock painting with edible paints and you consume all of this. It was just absolutely extraordinary. And three out of the four of us were having the time of our lives. And one guy in our group was not. See, for the three of us, like this night was a linear night. We had marked our calendars for it. We've been looking forward to it, and I think he was looking forward to it too, but the thing that he didn't realize until he got there that night is it was also the last day of the fiscal quarter in his business. And he's in sales, and he had a quota to hit and an opportunity that he and his boss wanted to close by midnight so that they could ink the deal inside the quarter. So this poor guy is in and out of the meal. He's having to leave the dining room to hop on phone calls to try to push the sale over the, over the line. He's like literally sweating bullets while we're enjoying this feast. And it struck me while we were there that we were all in the same where, like we were all occupying the same physical space, right? But we were in two very different whens. You know what I mean? Like his when, his, his notion of time was completely different than ours. And I think this is important to call out because in a modern world where like all of our phones are synced up to the same time, we might theoretically all agree on what time it is, but that misses the, the larger and deeper truth of how we keep time, which has less to do with whether it's 11.32 a.m. in the morning and more to do with what's coming up that you're anticipating and what's behind you that you're remembering and how are you thinking about the moment that you are living in relative to other moments of significance. And regardless of whether it's the modern world with our devices or not, there, there are truer ways that we keep time, whether we know it or not. And these ways of keeping time shape us, they form us, they affect us in ways we often don't acknowledge, and sometimes we don't realize we can choose how we keep time. Like, do you wanna keep time based purely on the economic rhythms of your business? I'm not saying those are all bad, but is that really the only way that you wanna keep time? Do you want to keep time purely based on the sort of external pressures that are put on you by the world around you and the calendars that it keeps? Or are there other ways, maybe even better ways of keeping time? Ways that form us toward love, toward God, 
toward healing, toward growth? Well, the good news is one of those ways of keeping time that is meant to help us grow toward God, toward healing, toward growth, is, is the calendar that begins today. Uh, because today is not just like December on the regular calendar. Today is the beginning of the Christian year, actually. And that's what we mean when we say that this is Advent. Now, I know some of us, uh, as we've already acknowledged, have been around seasons like Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter. These are ways of keeping time we're familiar with. For others, this is kind of new. But I want to frame it and make the case for it and give us a taste of what Advent could be for us. Uh, there's a Benedictine uh, nun named Joan Chittister who's written a really great book on this way of keeping time that we call the Christian year. And she has this to say about the power of doing it. She says this, By taking us into the depth of what it means to be a human on the way to God. I mean, even just that alone is different than to be a human on the way to a fiscal quarter report, right? You're a human on the way to God. To suffer and to wonder, to know abandonment and false support, to believe and to doubt. The liturgical year breaks us open to the divine. It gives us the energy to become the fullness of ourselves. It makes the next step possible. It calms us as we stumble from one to the other. It leads us beyond our present selves to the self that lies in wait for God. Now that sounds good, uh, but now I want to make the case that that's actually what can happen during Advent as we explore a question that Advent asks us. So we've already heard a, a kind of typical Advent scripture in our liturgy. This comes from Isaiah. This is a prophetic text of the Jewish people, the Israelites, who are longing for God. And I want to bring us back to that text so we can hear it a little more deeply. This is Isaiah 64, where the prophet says to God, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that you would tear open the heavens and be with us. Now, of course, uh, this text is located in time and place before the coming of Jesus, but I don't think it means that it doesn't name something that we still experience. It's like the prophet imagines that there is a, a reign or, a, or a, a rule or a place of God in, in God's kingdom. And then there's a world that we have right now. And that there's a sort of gap that's full of longing between the way things are and the way that we think God would want them to be. And this prophet is saying, God, that you would like dissolve that barrier between the way things are and the way that they would be. That you would dissolve the barrier between all of our difficulties and issues and broken places and biases and bigotry and all the harms that we cause and all the harms that we suffer. On the one hand, if you could dissolve the gap between this complicated world that we are living in and the one where we believe or trust or hope in some way that all your goodness exists, that all your healing exists, that all your love exists. And if, like, if you feel that for a moment, I think it feels very relevant today that we too have longings, things that we are waiting for. I think about um, what you feel um, in the wake of loss. And I know that in our own Southland City Church family, there's been a lot of loss this year. Um, sometimes we lose people in, in a matter of time that feels kind of right and appropriate, that like a lifespan has its length and then it comes to an end. And then sometimes we lose people in ways that feel out of order, right? Uh, I think of when parents lose kids. We've had a few of those stories this year in our church. And in a world where parents lose kids, I think it leaves a lot of us longing for that gap to be dissolved between the world of God and healing and wholeness and the broken world that we live in right now. I think about relational breaks. Um, friends and families and marriages that are feeling a lot of rough edges right now. And sort of our inability to put our lives together in a way that's whole 
and good with one another. Like, we feel that, don't we? And when we feel that, sometimes the language for that might be something like, God, that you would, like, dissolve the barrier between the wholeness and the healing that you represent and the fractures that we feel all around us right now. Uh, I think about illness, physical, mental. I know there are a lot of those stories in our church. And maybe you feel like you've done everything you can. You've followed all the prescriptions from the doctors. And yet something just isn't working the way it's meant to for you or someone you love. Like your body or your mind or your emotions feel more like a liability than a gift right now. And something in us suggests like that's not the way it's meant to be. And we long for that gap to be dissolved between the way things are and the way that they should be. And so maybe you like resonate with this prayer. Like, God, would you like, would you dissolve that gap? Would you show up in ways that bring healing and wholeness for us? I think about people who are facing economic insecurity. And um, there are a lot of complicated reasons, and we could have a lot of long conversations about the why the world works the way it works right now. And there are things that should probably be addressed in the here and now. But the bottom line is there are people who don't know how they're going to pay their rent this month, or who don't know if they'll ever be able to retire, who just like, can't figure out how to make the dollars and cents work. And it's not that they aren't working hard. It's that something else isn't working, right? And in a world where some have way, 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 way more than they need and other people don't have enough, it can leave a lot of us like begging God, wondering, like, when, when will you shore up this gap between the way things should be and the way they are right now? I think, too, about uh, headlines that we see in the news, even in the past couple of days, of places that might feel far away but that we realize aren't quite so far away. Uh, like, for example, as bombing has resumed in Gaza and we continue to hear about the suffering of the residents there. And whether it's that war or other places where bombs are dropped and people suffer, uh, when violence takes on such overt and evil forms, like it leaves us longing for a world where war isn't a case anymore, right? So the prophet says, God, that you would rend the heavens, that you would dissolve the barrier between the good world that you represent for us and the world as we have it right now. The prophet says it, and we feel it, uh, especially right now during this Advent season. And this is the question that comes to us during Advent, and it's really simple, but I think if you sit with this question long enough, it can take you into pretty vulnerable and powerful places. The question is this, what are you waiting for? What's the unfulfilled thing that hasn't been realized for you or for the world around you? What's the healing that you uh, long for but that hasn't shown up? What's the reconciliation that you don't know how to affect in the world, but you long for it, you ache for it? What's the vision of the future that like, stirs inside you, but you don't see it when you look all around you, and it leaves you wondering, how and when and, like, will that happen? And it's powerful simply to name it, to say, like, here's what I'm waiting for. Here's the thing I hope will be a part of the world when those heavens are torn and God is with us fully and everything is put back together. Here's the thing I hope will be a part of that that we don't seem to have with us right now. And if God's the giver of every good thing and you feel a good thing that you are lacking or the world is missing, then fundamentally you've got a question for God, don't you? <laughs> to say, God, like, when will this happen that you would tear the heavens and um, bring healing to the world that we have right now? So this Advent, I want to encourage you to sit with the question what are you waiting for? And as you begin to name it, just take note of some of the powerlessness that you might feel. I know that doesn't maybe feel like, a, like an up and to the right sermon for us uh, today, but like take note of the powerlessness you might feel. Because um, I'm here to tell you there is no such thing as a whole or healthy spirituality that doesn't name 
the experience of powerlessness that we have sometimes. Uh, we talked about it in the Romans series. Sometimes we discover that we are up against something bigger than us that we don't know how to address on our own. And when you feel that vulnerability, I would encourage you, don't shy away from it this season, but name it. What are you waiting for? What are you longing for? What's the unfulfilled hope, the unmet desire that perhaps we spend a lot of energy ignoring or avoiding or numbing or pretending it's not there? Because to admit that it's not there is to press into a difficult truth about the fact that sometimes we can't fix everything on our own, that we can't secure all the futures that we long for in the here and now. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know that sits a bit heavy with us, doesn't it? But one of the gifts of an Advent season is to say, like, those longings are named, they're not ignored. I mean, those longings are part of being alive, they're part of being human, and Advent welcomes that humanity this season. Now, what I'm about to say is going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but hang with me for a moment, okay? Because I'm telling you, the question of Advent is, what are you waiting for? What are you longing for? What is unfulfilled that you hope to see fulfilled? What's unresolved that you hope God will deal with? And perhaps we're just waiting and asking for it, right? The question is, what are you waiting for? But that question speaks in another way as well. And it, it pops up in another way if you pay attention to what's happening in Scripture with this question of the heavens being torn open. So watch this uh, strange beautiful, provocative move that happens in the scriptures. We heard the prophet in Isaiah 64 say, God, we wish that you would tear the heavens, open them, dissolve the barrier between your good world and the world as we have it right now. God, would you do it, right? That's the longing of the prophet. Watch what happens in uh, one of the biographies of Jesus written by Mark. Uh, first, we go to the first chapter of Mark where the story begins, and we read about the baptism of Jesus. Pay close attention to this language. It'll be pretty obvious if you're listening. <laughs> At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. It's like Mark grabs that longing from the prophetic voice in Isaiah and carries it forward and says, something has happened to tear those heavens open in our experience of Jesus. Like something has happened to begin to dissolve these barriers between the way things are and the way they should be in the experience of Jesus. And if that's not enough to convince you that that's what Mark's doing, let me take you to the end of Mark's gospel. But before I show it to you, a quick historical detail. So at the time of Jesus, we have the temple in Jerusalem, which includes a couple of veils. These veils demarcate different areas of the temple that are accessible to different people. And we learn from a historian named Josephus in the first century that on the outer veil, this is like an 80-foot-tall Babylonian tapestry, on the outer veil are embroidered stars. Essentially, for, the, for that sort of ancient imagination in particular, to see that veil in the temple was to discover that the temple itself is a kind of microcosm of the universe as they understand it. And this veil has a, a sort of an ancient artwork of the heavens embroidered on it. And bear that in mind as I take it to the end of Mark's gospel as he kind of wraps up the story of Jesus with the death of Jesus here. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This too is a tearing of the heavens, a rending of the cosmos, a dissolving of the barriers that exist between the way things are and the way they should be. And Mark, in this sort of subtle and literary way, is saying the story I'm telling you about Jesus is a story of that promise beginning to be fulfilled. 
That, that in fact, like God has already come and God has already lived God's life in a body and God has looked at us and said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is yours. God's already breathed God's spirit into us to live God's life in us and through us. Which suggests that during Advent, if we ask, what are you waiting for? Sometimes that question might lead you toward an unfulfilled longing and the best that you can do is name it and wait. And sometimes the question, what are you waiting for, reminds us that God has already lived God's life in a body and already said the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of heaven is yours and already breathed the spirit upon us. So when the question comes to say, what are you waiting for? The question might be saying, like, so wake up and do something about it. Now, this is a complicated sort of stance that we're taking for Advent. The unfulfilled longing and waiting and the waking up, they are both part of this season. There's a kind of fancy theological term for what I'm sharing with you today. Uh, I'll put it on the screen here. Uh, next one for me. Uh, thanks, Ryan. I skipped one. Yeah, I'll come back to that. Uh, a partially realized eschatology. Ain't that fancy? Yeah. Say this with me because then at a dinner party for Christmas, you're going to drop this knowledge and you're going to sound real good. On three. One, two, three. Partially realized eschatology. Yeah. Eschatology is just a fancy word uh, for the age to come and a, a vision or a theology about that age to come. The idea that what God has begun, God will finish. The idea that the story is going somewhere good. The idea that heaven intends to be fully merged with earth. The idea that all the goodness and all the healing that we're waiting for has a fulfillment in the end. So that's eschatology, a vision of the age to come. And theologians will talk about a partially realized eschatology, which is a way of saying it's sort of like already not yet, right? It's here and it's not here. Sometimes the question, what are you waiting for, leads you into naming the unfulfilled longing, and the best you can do is surrender, own your powerlessness, and say, I just have to wait. And sometimes the question of Advent, what are you waiting for, invites you into your power, invites you into the presence of your own life, into the strength of your own choices, into the fact that like, God's already given God's life to us. And so what remains is for us to take it seriously enough to do something with it. This is the tension of Advent. Another way of saying it is this is the paradox. A paradox of waiting and waking up. A paradox of naming all our powerlessness and stepping into all of our power and holding both of those things at the very same time. And it turns out that most deep truths of the Christian faith are paradoxes. They're not so one-dimensional. They're not so flat. They're actually sort of like deep and dynamic. And the paradox of waiting and waking up is one of those ways that Advent op like opens up this space inside us to grow us up. And the challenge and the invitation for us as a community this season is to live inside the, the spaciousness of that paradox. Now, we're going to do that in a few ways, uh, especially in terms of practice, because uh, it's one thing to think about a paradox. Um, that can get a little navel-gazy, you know what I mean? That can get a little, uh, little like armchair philosopher, um, which is one of my favorite pastimes, but it doesn't always change the world or change us. Uh, but you know what you can do with a paradox is you can practice it. And the way you practice a paradox is by, you kind of take the two things that stand in paradoxical relationship, the two things that stand in tension with one another, our powerlessness and our power. The unfulfilled longings that we cannot answer on our own and all the strength and ability that we have to step into our lives right now and do something. You take both of those things, the powerlessness and the power, the waiting and the waking up, and you just turn up the volume on both. 
And you, you allow the tension that exists between them to grow you up and stretch you out and expand you a little bit. And through practice, we're just going to try to turn up the volume on both. So uh, let me give you a little bit of a roadmap for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to sit deeply with the question of unfulfilled longing and powerlessness. Like, what are you waiting for that you just you can't secure for yourself on your own? You just can't make it happen. What are you waiting for? We're going to name it. That can be an act of real vulnerability. To be confronted with uh, the fact that we're not able to knock out everything on our own. And we're going to embark on a community art project to help us do that. Uh, when you get here next week, you're going to see we've got a big old, like, like four feet by six feet or something like that um, printout of the page from Scripture that uh, speaks Isaiah 64 with that line, God, that you would tear the heavens, that you would rend the heavens open and show up for us. And we're going to uh, impose on that page of Scripture some of our own notes about the things that we are waiting for. And so you'll have a chance uh, to write a word or draw an image or a symbol uh, on that page of Scripture that expresses something about your life or the people you love or the world around us at large. We're, like We are just aching, just begging, just fed up with the fact that we can't seem to fix this and hoping that God would bring something to deal with it. We're going to name those things next week. We've also, by the way, uh, got a friend of SBCC, Kieran Bjorn, is coming up from South Carolina to lead worship for us. I can't wait for you to hear Kieran here. Uh, he's going to bring uh, something really beautiful for us artistically as he leads us during that time. But next week, we'll ask the question of unfulfilled longing and powerlessness, and we will name some of the things that we just can't seem to fix on our own. I'm going to turn the volume up on that. And then the following week, uh, with the help of the kids who will be singing for us, which would be really, really wonderful. Uh, they're going to kind of help us get out of the, the deep darkness of the prior week. Uh, we're going to turn to the other question of what are you waiting for? And we'll name our power and we'll talk about waking up and we'll say, where in my own life and world is it time for my actions to become part of the answer to the prayers that I've been praying? And uh, we'll turn to another scripture. This is the one from John that we'll be using. Ryan, I'm going back one here. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. The logos became flesh. The divine order of things became flesh and lived for a while among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We've already seen it. It already happened. God's already lived God's life in a body, and so the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of the heavens is yours, and the Spirit's been already breathed into us, so what are you waiting for? And so we'll, uh, that week on the 17th, we'll take that scripture and we'll mark up that page together in a kind of co collective communal collage, naming the places, the issues, the, the locations in the world and in our lives where we realize the invitation is to wake up and do something and step into our power. That like we no longer have to wait for the arrival of God because in some strange, elusive, partially realized way, he's already here. And it's just our chance to say yes and do something with it. So this will be our practice for the next few weeks. Now, uh, one other note, those two communal art pieces will then show up in a project next year. We're really excited about this. Uh, so next year's Advent, uh, we're going to release uh, an Advent prayer guide. This is uh, going to be a beautiful printed book. And it will include uh, one day's reflection for every day of Advent. And these reflections will include um, like visual art, and writing, poetry, other reflections. And all of that art, all that content will be sourced from two places. One is we'll draw some from the history of the church, from 2,000 years of Christian art and reflection. We'll fold that into this book. But the other place that we're going to get it from is you all. 
Yeah, so we're going to build a process up between now and next Advent where we want to draw out of this community uh, art, reflection. And maybe, maybe you'll create a, a painting or a, another form of visual art that simply expresses in your own life, like where is there unfulfilled longing that leads you to a place of surrender and vulnerability to say, I don't know how to get this done on my own and I am waiting. Or maybe you'll create something. Maybe it'll be a poem or another kind of written piece to name the place in your world, in your life, where you realize it's time to stop waiting. It's time to wake up and realize the only thing that we're waiting for is for you to step into it, to own your power and to name the part that you have to play in all of it. Maybe you'll create something on the larger theme. Maybe you'll create something in reflection on one of these scriptures. But we're going to be sourcing from this community the art that's going to shape that guide. We're going to turn it into a beautiful printed book that we can give away to the members of the church here and also to the world at large. Uh, Side note. Um, because there's only so many days of Advent, look, we love all of you, and like we really do, but not everyone's art would make it in the book. Got it, right? Everybody okay? There will be a, a curating process uh, to figure out what to do with all the uh, wonderful stuff that we expect to receive from this community, and uh, none of that has anything to do with whether God loves you or we love you or you matter. It's just that we want to create something that's really quite right for what we're doing. So just a little heads up there. Uh, This year's Christmas offering, uh, one of the objectives in the Christmas offering, will actually pay for that book because we want to be able to give that away, uh, both to the members of this community and to the world at large. And so if you're giving to the Christmas offering, uh, just know that one of the ways that that money will make a difference in the world is to make that gift possible for the world. Uh, Really, really excited about that. And um, this year's teaching through Advent is meant to seed those themes of what are you waiting for? of waiting and waking up. And I can't um, wait to see the kind of uh, vulnerability and power that this community begins to express through those creations. I think it'll speak not just to us as we pray our way through next year's Advent, uh, but to the world. Um, By the way, reminder, if you want to hear more about the Christmas offering, just check out the podcast released a little while ago where we talk through all the objectives and hear from the stakeholders who lead those objectives. Uh, This year we want to um, be able to knock that out and do a lot of good. Um, So this is the the frame for Advent for us. This is the way that we are marking time. Uh, The problem with the calendar that gets imposed upon you is that the way that you keep time begins to tell you about the meaning of your life and who you are. Uh, I'm not trying to knock that buddy at the restaurant who was facing the end of his quarter. Like, that's real, right? We have jobs and responsibilities and there are stakeholders involved requirements to come with that. But I can't help but think that that guy that night was living in a story that said like his purpose, his direction, his identity uh, was to knock out a financial goal for his publicly traded company so that they could report it. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that's all wrong or bad, but we have to find ways to keep time and deeper stories in that, don't we? And um, this season, I don't know about you, but like anybody feel like, like your calendar is pretty complicated right now with all the holiday stuff? Yeah, this is normal, right? Yeah, this is all the more reason to choose the way that we keep time, even while other measures of time are imposed upon us. And like what I want to tell you, um, whether you believe this or not, I, I want to like look you on the eye and tell you that like you are more uh, than the end of the fiscal quarter. And, and you're more than the shuttle service to get your kids around to all their activities that are on the calendar, even though we love the fact that we get to do that for the kids in our lives. You and me, like we are the people who wait and watch for God. Let me say that again and just see if it can sit with us. We are the people who wait and watch for God.
And the meaning of our lives is set by no lesser horizon than that infinite horizon. As we wait and watch for God and discover in our waiting and watching that we are called to be part of his arrival as God arrives in us. So this is our Advent journey. You guys up for it? Sound good? Good. If you're able, will you stand to your feet? Uh, one more note before you go. Uh, the Tribune, our future home, just, uh, just up the street on Lafayette, is open right now and will be until about 1.30 for an open house. If you haven't seen it yet or you haven't seen it lately, uh, we would love to show you uh, the developments there. Um, thanks to an enormous outpouring of effort, volunteering, love, and financial generosity from this community, that project is moving forward full steam. And in recent weeks, uh, the big old gap in the second floor floor in the large cathedral-like room has been filled in. The kids' rooms are being framed in. The windows have been put in to the uh, phase one worship area. A lot's happened there. We'd love to show it to you. One disclaimer, we were hoping that the courtyard would get poured this week. Because if that had happened, we would have um, the proper ramp for accessibility into the building. With weather the way it's been, that didn't happen. Um, and so our building does not yet live up to that uh, commitment for accessibility. But of course it will long before we actually move in there in the spring. But today it's uh, going to take stairs to get into the building, just so you know. Uh, but we'd love to see you over there so you can uh, check out all the progress there. Uh, this Advent, may we wait and watch with faith. May we keep our eyes on the horizon of not just the calendars that are imposed upon us, but the horizon of the infinite, of the God whose kingdom we long for, and the God whose kingdom even comes now in and through our lives. May we know when it's time to own our powerlessness and when it's time to step into our power, and may we be expanded by these paradoxes this Advent as we wait for Christmas. May grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you next week.